what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson. I am co-director and co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and the Foot Candle Film Festival held every September for the last several years. And uh, with me, my co-host, as always, Chris Fry, also co-director and co-founder of the same two things I already mentioned. How you doing, Chris? Doing well. Doing well. Um, lots of movies coming out, at least digitally, and then um, end of the year awards are happening. So you and I get some critic screeners, which is how we've actually gotten to uh, see one of the movies we're going to review on this show, because um, it's an early review. Usually review movies after they already hit theaters, but uh, we've True. got an early review for one of these. Um all the, rules are out, <laughs> all the rules are out the window this year. So, right. you know, up is down, down is up. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, you alluded to it already. We are going to be reviewing two films during the course of this show. Uh, that'll be the first part of the show is getting into our reviews. We'll be reviewing the film, uh, latest film starring Riz Ahmad and Olivia Cook called Sound of Metal. And then we'll be following that up with a review of a film that will be released on Christmas Day. And we're giving you a little bit of a sneak taste of this film. It is Promising Young Woman starring Carrie Mulligan. So those are the two we're going to be discussing. After that, we will go into our movie news where Chris and I both have some more recent movie production news that we want to discuss and share some thoughts on. And then, as always, we end up the show with our recommendation of the episode. That is where Chris and I both select a film that we think is worth uh, taking another look at, maybe one you might want to catch up with if you hadn't before. And Chris, I'll go ahead and tell you my recommendation for this episode. I'm going to be labeling it my I was wrong pick because it is a film that years ago you and I did review. And I did not have the most positive view of the film, hmm. but I have since caught up with it again. And I'm here to recommend it much, much more positively now. Excellent. And I'll tell you why now. So I'm, I'm curious as to what the film is. Good. So you're curious about that with me. Uh, I am curious about something with you as we get into our two reviews of the film. Okay. These films, Sound of Metal and Promising Young Women. Both, both films that I think I can kind of link together a little bit in that they both uh, feature a very prominent performance by what you could argue as a more up and coming actor, actress in Hollywood right now. Although Carrie Mulligan, we'll talk about, has been around for a little while, but still, I think uh, both are still flexing their muscles and really kind of showing some range in what they're doing. Um, and we'll be reviewing those two films. But the reason I want to bring this up, Chris, is you have teased me. You know, Chris and I work in, in the same vicinity, same office from time to time. You have teased me that recently you caught up with a film that you said is now your number one favorite film of 2020. I do not know which film this is. I'm wondering if it's one of the two we're going to be reviewing. So that is what I'm excited about kind of finding out is as we get into the reviews, did one of these two make the cut as Chris Fry's now quote favorite film of 2020, or are we still going to be left waiting to find out what that film's going to be? So fair enough. Sure. 
All right. So I'm excited to find that out. So we got a lot of mysteries to solve during the episode here today. <laughs> uh, but first up, let's go right into our first review. Uh, it is a film starring Riz Ahmad, who you may know from HBO's The Night Of, and I think he also played a part in Rogue One, uh, and Olivia Cook, who you may see from me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and I believe she was also in Ready Player One from Steven Spielberg. Two of them together making a film. Uh, it's director Darius Marder's first featured film directing, and it's called Sound of Metal. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. And we'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm going to be like a click track. You can play to me. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me. Okay, you're in for me. Lou, you're my part. You're in for me. Okay, you got away from me. I'm trying to save my life. Ruben, the world does keep moving. It can be a damn cruel place. But those moments of stillness. Chris, in Sound of Metal, we have the story of Ruben, who is a heavy metal drummer whose life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. Uh, Ruben has been touring around with his girlfriend and also fellow performer Lou. And as he starts to realize that he is losing his hearing, he goes through some exploration of uh, trying to find ways to uh, accommodate his lifestyle and try to continue on the musical path he's looking to to have and the relationship he's continuing with Lou, despite this new challenge that's been thrown in his lap. Um, Chris, I'm really curious about how you watched this movie, because I think your viewing experience and mainly your audible experience in watching this movie mm-hmm. is going to have a lot to do with how you react to this film. So was this a film you watched with just headphones on, you watched on a laptop. Did you watch it on a TV with more immersive sound? What What was your experience? And then ultimately, what did that experience lead to in terms of maybe any feeling or understand better understanding of the deaf community uh, and 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 how it was portrayed in the story here? Well, uh, so you know, we mentioned getting screeners and things. Um, this is on Amazon Prime now. So you know, after the review, if you're enthusiastic about it, you can go right to if you have Amazon Prime, you can go right there and you can watch it. Um, 
And I don't know if plans prior to the pandemic were to release this in theaters and then put it on Amazon Prime. I'm not really sure about that deal. But you talk about viewing experience. This is one that I did watch on my laptop Mm -hmm. uh, with headphones. Um, I wish, of course, you know, I'd always prefer the theatrical experience. But because of the sound, I think it would have been really interesting and a little bit more immersive, so to speak, to see it in a theater. But that's not an option. Um, So that was how I viewed it. Um, And I'm assuming there again, because I don't know exactly how it was meant to be shown theatrically. You know, I just, I saw what I saw. Um, But was the, and I'll ask you because you also watched it. So depending on how your laptop was set up or your TV, maybe was the entire film pretty much subtitled for you? Yes. Okay. But I think that was more of the I think it was screener a, it, I think capability. It, yeah. See, I didn't know if it was a screener capability. I wonder. Okay. Let me, let me explain. <laughs> so it was a very interesting film and I feel like, you know, I have, I, you know, can hear, so I'm not of the deaf community. I've seen films before that kind of broach this subject, but, um, with the exception of one other film where it's like there was no spoken dialogue at all. And there were just people signing. If you don't know sign language, you're left out. I can't remember the name of that movie at the, this point, but anyways, it was a foreign film. Um, but this was pretty immersive for me because of the way they included subtitles and would even subtitle noise. So it was like, I don't know if this is the way it was meant to be, but it was like, it was closed captioned always. And it kind of gave you a sense of, how a deaf person might need to watch this film because they wouldn't have the hearing capabilities that we have. And because that was always there, even though, you know, I can hear, I didn't need it. It, it was interesting. It kind of clued you into some things and there. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And it also kind of surprised me where, um, they brought up the subject matter of which I've heard people talk about in deaf communities where someone, you know, there's a, there's a group of people that are hearing impaired that they prefer. They don't see it as a disability. They just see it as a kind of a characteristic of who they are. And they kind of push aside any attempt to use like technology or something to make them or be surgery able to, or, or surgery to, to make them be mm-hmm. able to hear. They're like, no, this is, this is who I am. It's part of my personality. And then there's some people that, you know, do get the surgery or do have, you know, aids to help them hear. This film approached that head on. <laughs> so I, I thought that was interesting. What are your, some of your initial thoughts about it? Yeah, no, I, 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 what I probably really admired about this film the most is, is that immersive experience it puts you in. You know, anytime you deal with someone that uh, you're trying to understand how they're perceiving the world after having losing sound, the muffled sounds, the use of um, distortion to kind of mimic as best as possible, what someone may be hearing or not hearing at those times, I thought was really well done in this film. And I think a good film is one that puts you in a position that you get to see something through somebody else's eyes that maybe you're not as comfortable with or not as used to seeing. And I think this film did that extremely well. Um, it's probably to me the most for any, any film that's dealt with hearing in the deaf community, this is, I can't recall any others that have done it as well as this one mm-hmm. in capturing that understanding and really following what somebody going through that, that challenge uh, is faced. Um, I, I think Reza Ahmed really, really strong in this film. I mean, I've always liked him in other things I've seen, but really like this, this, this performance quite a bit. And I think he had a lot to carry. I mean, he has to carry a lot of emotion. He's got to carry a lot of 
change in his life. He's got a, you know, he's someone that you could just tell was just very happy with the path he was on and very happy with the lifestyle he was leading to have something like this change it so dramatically. Um, he had to play someone who, who was going through a lot of changes and wasn't happy about any of the changes right. and was desperately trying to find that quick fix to get back on the road, to get back to the lifestyle he wanted. And, and just letting him know that it was not that easy and it wasn't going to be that simple for him to, you know, his life was going to be changed dramatically. And I think all that played out extremely well in the film. Um, really, really pleased with it. I was um, not, I wasn't really familiar with Riz Ahmed. I thought I'd seen him before and I didn't realize till afterwards he had been in Rogue One, like yeah. you said, um, but I wasn't really familiar with him. And I think that helped me kind of, jump into the film because sure. you know he has kind of punk rock hair and the you know the style of music he's playing in the beginning and I don't I didn't look online to see whether or not he was really drumming or not but you know for me the non-drummer it looked pretty convincing and he was really convincing in this part and I really enjoyed seeing him yeah he was center stage the film does revolve around him if he doesn't you know if it, he wasn't convincing the film wouldn't work yeah. um and I will say too another performance that stuck out to me was um, Paul Racy, who, yes. um, he plays a guy that's at a Joe. Yeah. He plays Joe mm-hmm. and he works at a place that helps people learn how to deal with hearing loss or learn how to deal with being deaf. And, um, that was, it was he played a really good character and he's just, you know, kind of what you see is what you get I, straight talking. And yeah. he was, he was amazing. <laughs> I loved his performance. I, he was my standout here to say, look, I, he's someone I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. He has been in films before, nothing really big parts. He's actually more known in the uh, filmmaking business. He's a certified uh, American sign language interpreter. So he actually has, I think, been brought into productions to help with sign language use gotcha. in a film. But uh, yeah, he was, he was so good. He was great. And uh, I loved everything about the community, the deaf community that uh, Ruben finds himself brought into. And just there's a whole montage or you know, I guess not really a montage. There's a whole sequence about in the middle of the film where Ruben is starting to somewhat acclimate to this this community. Sure. I think it's a good 10 minutes of silence. I mean, it is just truly like. You hear natural sounds, but there's no spoken dialogue. And it was great because it was just a really put you in the mindset and and to see it it was a great exploration of what the deaf community is kind of works with and and how they bond together as a group themselves. And I I thought that was my favorite part of the film, just that whole exploration of this this new lifestyle that Ruben's adopting. So Um, there were something else I admired about the film is you hear the storyline of this film and there's certain, sorry, beats mm-hmm. <laughs> drumming that you think the film is going to hit and it, and it didn't. Yeah. And, and I liked that. Um, I won't give a whole lot away, but I will say, for example, just so it's not just a random comment I made, they mention um, that Ruben has been, I think a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has this dramatic change happen in his life where he's losing his hearing. He's like, what am I going to do about drumming? And, when he goes to this place and meets Joe, Joe says like, you know, you look like you're an addict. He says, yeah, I did hair. And he's like, okay, well I was an alcoholic. You kind of have a sense like, okay, I think Ruben's probably going to have a relapse. He doesn't. Hmm. I mean, I think that's drugs never actually really come. No, it's mentioned and it's confronted. He he smokes as you think of kind of like a coping thing. Cause apparently he'd quit smoking as well, but he starts, he goes out and has a cigarette right after, you know, he learns he's lost his hearing or his hearing's going. So, you know, those are beats that a more Hollywood type film 
might would be sure to hit, but this one, this one doesn't. So I, I appreciated that as well. Well, and on that same token with storytelling in general, and just you know, maybe subverting what we would have expected. Uh, I'll say too, the film did not end like I expected it to, which was good. Yeah. I, I really, I really love the ending of this film. And I think it, uh, not only what we, where Ruben is in his, profession and relationship and status at that point, but also just even that closing shot in the 30 seconds or so we have. Sure. Uh, Very, very well done. Very. Yeah. I really, really admired the ending. So yeah, without spoiling anything, I'm kind of on the, I I, I agree with you. It's an interesting approach of an ending, but it, especially for this film, it's, it's perfect. Totally worked. This is a film that actually caused me to, pay more attention to sound after watching it. Sure. Like, which a good film will do that. A good film affects you. A good film makes you think in terms of what the characters were just doing. And this film absolutely did that. So I was uh, extremely impressed. Now, director Darius Martyr, it's his first directing job, but he's been in Hollywood for a while. He's, he was the writer of the film, The Place Beyond the Pines. That was with... Um, Derek C. in France. That's right. Yeah. So... He's written things before, but this is his first time really directing a feature film, and uh, I thought it was extremely well directed. Um, There's some shots of Ruben playing drums, very, very well done. I love the look and the style of all the all the cinematography there. Again, I mentioned that there's great moments of just exploring the deaf community and this mm-hmm. this place where Ruben's now living, and his interaction with some of the kids in the school are just really well done. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it it never got. And I kept expecting at some point that it was going to get schmaltzy and over the top kind of syrupy sweet and never did, which was great. It was very realistic. And I felt like Ruben towards the end of the film, he was still the same person. Just he's now experienced a lot and has reshaped him without him just going through some miraculous. All of a sudden now he's this wonderful, (laughs) great guy who's going to give back to everybody. You know, that's not him. He's still... He's still himself at the end of the film. Oh, absolutely. And um, I admired that. I admired that it didn't take the easy route and try to make this a, a big redemption tale or make it some big, uh, you know, uh, miracle-type film where, you know, something happens tra- so dramatic to this character and it changes who he is. It didn't really do that. It uh, just shows him coping with it now. So, yeah. yeah. It was surprising, you know, there again, I guess, maybe making it less Hollywood, but they take time to explore relationships between people. You have the relationship between Ruben and his girlfriend, Lou, you have the relationship between Ruben and Joe. And then at the, you know, towards the latter third of the film, you get to meet Lou's father and he's played by Matthew Almerich. He was in, I know him cause he played in, um, diving bell and the butterfly. That oh, was yes. the big film mm-hmm. that I saw him in that I was like, Oh, here's this dude. And he's been in lots of other things, but that was the one where I, I think was one of my first times I saw him, but he has some conversation with, Ruben about, you know, you started dating my daughter and I thought, and it was just a very authentic conversation, mm-hmm. things that are said, some things that aren't said. And just, you know, it's, was really fascinating. I really enjoyed that, that part of the film. Um, so it was refreshing to see one that focused on that many relationships in one film and not really taking relationship shortcuts. So that was, that was nice to see. Did you have any misgivings with the film? Um, no, uh, well, you know, it misgiving, but, and I just praised it for this. I feel like maybe, and this is just a, you know, if I had to come down with a critique, the relationship between Reuben and Lou, 
you believe it, and I feel like it's very authentic, but I wish I would have had more pre the dramatic moment of the hearing loss sure. because then it was like, you know, of course things suddenly really change. Um, but you have basically there's one conversation when they're driving, I guess, to their next concert and they have a lot of banter very back and forth. And it's clearly very, it's very natural, seeming very natural to me. And I wish I would have had a little bit more of that, but mm. I mean, you know, <laughs> it would have made her choices, her decisions, her actions, I think, have more impact sure. than what they did in the film. I, I could see that. I agree with you. Well, and I think in a way, you know, me always being the person that kind of compliments films when they're less Hollywood, if they would have done that, it probably would have made it a little bit more Hollywood because Could've. they would have been trying to pull your heartstrings a little yeah. more. But I think they were more interested, and rightfully so, in showing what happens to Ruben at the deaf community. And I mm-hmm. think that is a more important part to show as opposed to just, you know, showing How's he doing with his girlfriend? But right. I, I still would have liked maybe a little more. But yeah. you know, I I really have no misgivings much at all. Uh, if anything, I'll say there was a standout dialogue scene for me that. Oh, okay. Mentioning Paul Racy, who you mentioned mm-hmm. as the as Joe, the head of the, this deaf community, and Ruben. Okay. Um, when Ruben returns to the deaf community at one point later in the film, and is asking for a favor, and he had just gone through something, taken an action that we know Joe didn't approve of. The two, the dialogue they have, the, especially on Joe's side, having to respond to Ruben. And what you saw was a very emotional response, but yet he's also sticking to what he knows is right and the ethics he has and caring for the rest of the members of the community. Right. That was really good. I mean, it was just well done. It was a, you could tell this guy is just, he really felt a connection for Ruben. The two of them had a true friendship and relationship and they I think cared for one another but yet ultimately he could not help help him in the way Ruben wanted to help because of like you mentioned earlier this idea that the deaf community feels a certain way about how they view their 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 situation they don't view it as an illness they view it as this is just part of who I am and any attempts to circumvent that are not really well respected and regarded so I, uh, that was really powerful. That was a really interesting scene and uh, I think extremely well done, both from a dialogue standpoint and just the acting, obviously, on both sides. So, um, yeah, the film totally worked for me. I loved it, really did. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what the director will do next because, like you mentioned, he's written lots of stuff, but this was his first directorial effort. So, interesting to, I'm interested to see what he'll do next. Yeah. So, uh, so that's Sound of Metal. That is available right now on Amazon. We are both highly recommending it, saying it is definitely worth checking out. It is a uh, very, very well-made film. Very interesting. Again, covering a subject that a lot of films don't get to spend a lot of time in. And it's also a film, Chris, I will say, too. You couldn't have really told this story with any other medium. You know, this is not one that translates to the, to a novel or translates to anything else. It needed that audible and video experience that a film gives you. So and, uh, did you watch this? I'm curious. You mentioned at the beginning, you watched this. How you said, did you say I watched this on headphones on my laptop also? So did you, okay. So full disclosure, did you ever find yourself lowering the volume or taking your headphones out when you would get some of the feedback stuff that was happening? A little bit. Oh, I, was, totally, I, would admit, I totally did because, and that's one thing if, in the theater, you just have to suck it up, but we don't yeah. have, didn't have that. And I think that would have made the, that's what I was kind of alluding to how it would have made the experience that much more real. It's a little so. more visceral experience sure. on your uh, on your ears. 
uh, listening to it. And I loved it for that. Again, it was like, no, this is what it sounds like to them. This is what they're hearing when this happens or when this was was uh, attempted. And so uh, it was I, can't, great. I can't help it. But I'll just say one more thing that, you know, mm-hmm. one more compliment I'll pay for the film. And I'm not ruining anything because uh, this happens in the first, you know, yeah. first couple of minutes, you know, first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You see him play a gig. You see him struggle with his hearing. He goes to get a hearing test. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, your, your hearing's bad. Um, don't do anything else. You need to not be around loud music. The very freaking next scene, he's playing another gig. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. Like, <laughs> I know. It makes you mad. But yeah, oh, I man. get it, too. You understand. I mean, it's you know, his livelihood. That's, that he loves is music. what he does. And, but you're just like, oh, uh, it's such a. It's yeah. almost like one of those movies where it's a, a athlete, a star right. athlete being told he can't, you know, he go can't go run anymore yes. or he can't play. And if he does, he might die. And you see him, you know, he can't stop doing it. And right. uh, it, it was a same type of, it was tough. It was yeah. tough to watch. It was very, very uh, troubling, but I get it, you know, and I think the film, the film helped us get it. Sure. They helped us understand why this was so important for him. So, sure. No, it was great. Loved it. Sound of Metal on Amazon right now, starring Riz Ahmad and Olivia Cook. Highly recommended by both Chris and myself. Good. Good to know, Chris. We are on the same page for the first one. Now, <laughs> let's see where we go for the second one. I'm not asking my question yet if we just finished discussing what is your favorite film of the year, because then that would tip your hat about the next one. Fair so enough. I'm going to wait, but I will ask after these two film reviews if one of the two was it hit that criteria? Okay. So far, Sound of Metal, very positive for you. So <laughs> could have been that one. We'll see. Uh, but now let's talk about the second film, which is starring Carrie Mulligan. It is Promising Young Woman. What are you going to do? Got her love. Whisper something in your ear. Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You think you'd learn by that age, right? Please lay down. What are you doing? It's okay, you're safe. What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. I thought we had a connection. Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? Sorry, maybe that one's too hard. Cassandra, we're in class together at Forest. You would have been a great doctor. What happened? I left under unusual circumstances. You remember what happened, right? Why I dropped out. I'm not the only one who didn't believe it. We get accusations like this all the time. Who needs brains? They never did a girl any good. I'm so sorry I didn't go with her. You gotta let it go. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Why do you guys have to ruin everything? We were kids. If I hear that one more time, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. 
It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Lately, I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. In Promising Young Woman, Carrie Mulligan plays Cassandra Thomas, a woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past who seeks out vengeance against those who cross her path. Originally scheduled to come out in April of 2020, after a cheesing, cheating buzz at Sundance, the film is now slated to be released, as you alluded to at the beginning of the show, December 25th. Mm-hmm. Alan, will you be recommending this for others as some holiday viewing? <laughs> Well, it it does depend a little bit on the audience you're with to view it in. But if you're surrounded by other people like me, Alan Jackson, of the same mindset and the same uh, same things we like and dislike, absolutely. I love this movie. I cannot wait to talk more about it. I cannot wait to watch it again. Um, Yeah, this is a film I looked forward to back when it was being uh, talked about. First of the year. I brought you, it up. You, did you mention it on the show? Because you I definitely did. mentioned it to me in the hallways. Because okay. I saw the trailer, and I, I really, really like Carrie Mulligan in general. And this film just looked like a, such a change for her performance-wise, mm-hmm. too. And I was just intrigued by the premise. And, uh, man, it lived up to it. I am uh, got a lot to say about this film, Chris. Okay. So I'm anxious to see what your thoughts are. Uh, but before I I'll offer it to you, I'll just go ahead and say I think – to me, a great film is one where you're you're engaged in the story. You really want to know what's going to happen next, and you don't know. You can't necessarily predict it. Mm-hmm. You may think and you know where it's going, but it decides to take some different routes, and I admire any film that does that, um, while at the same time giving us some really great performances. In characters, you truly are invested in. That's sure. the thing with, with, with Carrie Mulligan and her character in this film. Uh, I'm invested in her from like within the first 10 minutes. I want to know everything about her. I want mm-hmm. to know her background. I want to know why she's doing what she's doing. So are you saying you'd be a nice guy at a bar if you saw her in trouble? You'd walk over and say, <sighs> not after this film. <laughs> no, I would not. Well, and again, we're not going to give away too much about this film because there's a lot we could give away. And I don't, I think that takes away the enjoyment of the film. But I think the fact is, you know, this is, as you mentioned, the setup, it's a young woman that we realize has been traumatized by something that's happened in the past and it's caused her to now take on this role. And even the trailer tips us off a little bit more of a, a vengeance role mm-hmm. towards, towards men. Right. We don't know why we don't know exactly what the mechanics of it are, but we do know that she is taking out revenge on men. Is it planned? Is it uh, specific men? Is it, you know, what is it? We don't know. And the film does a great job of not giving us all the answers until absolutely necessary later in the film. And that's what I really liked about it is I felt like I was engaged because it wasn't giving me so much information that I was able to predict where it was going, but yet it gave you that information as you needed it. And you're just riveted. At least I was from scene to scene following this character. Um, She has a myriad of interactions with other people throughout the film um, of all different types of people, each one with a specific purpose and every single one of those interactions, I think I thoroughly enjoyed and could call a standout. So, um, yes, and we had even some great supporting performances that we'll mention in a moment, too. Uh, a couple in particular and one cameo appearance by Mr. Alfred Molina, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really, really good scene. 
And um, so, yeah, Chris, I've talked enough about it so far. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on Promising Young Woman. Sounds like this is going to be Alan's favorite film of the year, <laughs> regardless of my thoughts on it. Sounds like um, it could may be. at least be up there. It's close already. So, yeah. You mentioned Carrie Mulligan, and I've I've always liked her. Um, and I, but I think this may be the best thing I've ever seen her do. Yeah. And I think maybe because. Not that she hasn't had lead parts. That she was kind of the female lead in, in education, a movie I think we may have reviewed a long time ago. We did, because ago. we brought it to uh, the Film Society. Right, yeah. so mm-hmm. um, kind of an earlier film for her. And she was in Never Let Me Go, I yes. think as well, which I'd, we may have reviewed, maybe. Um, maybe, but one of my favorite films. Sure, yes. mm-hmm. okay. So she's been in a lot of good films, and she was good in all of them. But this one, you know, she just gets the chance to go big and boy, does she go big Mm -hmm. and it, and it works. It's not like it distracts from the film because the type of character she's playing and her motivations and everything, you, you need to believe it. And I I forgot it was Carrie Mulligan about, about 15 minutes into this film. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, really, I had to keep reminding myself. This is the same person I've seen in these other films. And it just, uh, she completely disappears in this role. You mentioned cameos. Yeah. They're, they're, tons in this film and I've seen online where some people have said that they find it kind of distracting because so many people keep on popping up it it wasn't distracting to me I liked it and I think if anything one of the reasons it worked was because this isn't I mean I don't know the budget of this film but it is more of an independent Mm -hmm. film Mm -hmm. and so for them to get the buy-in of all these different people to come in and play these small bit parts that to me is really impressive and I kind of like good for you film you know as opposed to something like you know, the next guardians of the galaxy having a bunch of cameos yeah. that doesn't impress me. You know? Right. So, um, I thought I didn't think it was overdone and I didn't really think it was stunt casting either because the people in the roles that they were doing, I felt like they belong there. For example, th- I don't want to ruin a lot of them cause I think yeah, a lot of them are kind of fun to see, but, um, Laverne Cox yeah. plays her coffee shop boss. And I think the rea- the relationship they have with one another feels lived in, feels authentic. And I think it is perfect. You know, she, a lot of people know Laverne Cox for, I know her at least from uh, orange is the new black. And so mm-hmm. to see her here, I was like, Oh, you know, but it didn't bother me. It felt, you know, lived in and there was a purpose for it. And that was, I guess, more of a supporting as opposed to maybe a cameo. But, True. um, I, I thought that was interesting. I want to know what your thoughts are on the camera work and the soundtrack. <laughs> well, I love the soundtrack. Um, Especially, especially as we get to the end, which mm-hmm. again, we're not going to spoil. Sure. But, um, yeah, the soundtrack very, you can tell there was a lot of careful selection done on what, what, what songs need to be in this, this, this film. And I like the fact that each song had a purpose. Sure. There was a meaning behind each film, uh, each song that you heard played. And, but I also like the fact that it was alternate versions of some songs that we'd recognized. So, for example, there's a song by Britney Spears. Yes, I do know a song by Britney Spears, but it's played. But the song that they play during uh, kind of building to a critical point in the film was a more instrumental acoustic uh, or not acoustic, but more strings based yeah. version, orchestra or orchestrated version of it, which was perfect. And it was toxic. You can yeah, say toxic. Then, you yeah. knew the song. Like, I recognize that song, but I love the fact that they're giving us a different view of it, a different sound of it. And it fit. Um 
even the opening credit song, which I think is like it's raining men. Actually, no, yeah. that's in there. Um, it was a song I'd never heard of before. Which one was it? It was called Boys, and it just shows like they're in a club dancing. It keeps saying, oh, I was no, thinking no. about boys, boys. I was thinking boys. about opening credits, which is It's Raining Men. When okay. she's walking down the street during the opening credits. Oh, opening credits. Okay. Opening credits. Not yes. the opening shot of the that's film. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Opening credits was It's Raining Men, okay. but it was a different performance of sure. it, which I think worked for the film. So, again, every every song carefully selected mm-hmm. and perfectly timed. And, uh, yeah, that made a big, big part. Cinematography-wise, yeah, I, I think it looked really sharp and it looked really, really stylish and had just the right amount of style when it needed it. But yet it was careful enough to know that when the scenes needed to just be – Cassie, uh, Carrie Mulligan's character, and whoever she is confronting or dealing with, it was a simple shot. It was a simple back and forth shot, and that's all we needed because we just wanted to watch the two of them play play against each other, and it did that. So um, I, I really, I really admired all those aspects of it. I was impressed, you know, researching the film. I went and looked at, you know, of course, the director and who wrote it, and. The director was Emerald Fennell, who apparently has been a writer and actually been an actress as well. I was really unfamiliar with her. I've never watched The Crown. I think she was an actress in that. And then she has um, written a bunch of other things. Um, But anyways, I was kind of unfamiliar. Uh, Killing Eve. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But she, you know, wrote some for that. And then. Yeah. It's definitely killing. uh, There was definitely a lot of Killing Eve, the TV show. A lot of stylistic similarities, okay. uh, both in the use of music and mm-hmm. kind of being edgy, but yet also really letting actors act and okay. dialogue friendly. So, yeah. So for this to be like her feature directorial debut, I was like, whoa, you know, afterwards, you know, I just watched the film and then afterwards I was like, OK, this is her first feature. That's impressive. Um, I can imagine a lot of people are going to write you know, blogs or articles and all this stuff about think pieces or thought pieces about, you know, this film and, you know, how it's handling the subjects, because, you know, it's talking about objectification of women, Mm -hmm. double standards when dealing Mm -hmm. with men, um, dealing with trauma and then the effects of that trauma on the person and whether or not they can let it go. Um, so yeah, I can see that it could be troublesome. People could find trouble with it and the tactics it uses and how it's being handled. But for me, I found it that it handled it pretty well. And the, as, because one of the things they did was they actually had some section or a section where Cassie questions herself mm-hmm. and some of the things she's done and having to search herself as far as like some of her motivations of what she's Especially doing. Especially after an interaction, she has the scene I just called out with it, with a cameo performer that scene at the, yeah, it really changed the dynamics of the story for a while and it and made a huge impact on the character and you see it. Right. So, yeah, I agree. So it, you know, it, but I can still see why, you know, cause this is build. Let's, let's fake you all. I mean, build, I say, you know, our trustworthy source, IMDB says comedy, crime and drama. Well, there are some funny things in the film. It's, it's got some moments of humor but they're played for very, very uncomfortably. They're played for, you know, yeah. On oh, the pharmacy dance sequence? Oh, no, that was fun. I don't even <laughs> okay. think that was comedy. That was fun, but at the... Yeah. But by later in the film, it's actually kind of tragic in hindsight. So it's like, again, I get comedy, but sure. yet uh, it just... Uh, but man, see, it plays with your emotions quite a bit. It absolutely does. Quite a bit. Um, yeah. 
I will just say this film, Chris, speaking of emotions, and again, I'm, I'm being very careful not to give away anything. This is probably the most mad I've been watching a film mm. because of a choice that, that, the, that the storyteller decides to take on with one of the characters. Mm. Mad. I mean, honestly, I'm you just... You didn't see it coming? Nope. Wow. And it, it really upset me. Honestly, truly upset. Wow, that I think they would be happy about. No, that. no, no. They, that's what wow. they meant to do with it, and, yeah, sure. and it's mission accomplished. They did it, but man, I was angry and upset at the film for the choices they made. Not that I'm saying they shouldn't have made them that way, but just the fact that they did. And uh, but at the same time, I think even as mad as I was about 15 minutes from the end of the film, um, the last five minutes. Okay. Uh, totally okay. said, you know what? I may be mad at the story and where it went, but I'm okay and happy now with the way it ended. So, so, so um, mm. a fellow film critic, uh, Douglas Davidson, he has a website called oh, yeah, Elements yeah. of Madness. Mm-hmm. He's helped us out judge some submissions for the uh, festival that we run. Uh, I saw him comment on this on Letterboxd. And so I kind of, made an intro or I, you know, kind of responded to his comment about, um, and mentioned something about the last scene and the music. And, uh, specifically the song was, I'll go ahead and tell you, the song mm. was angel of the morning sure. by juice Newton. Yes. And juice. <laughs> he, uh, responded back. He may have done a fist pump alone in his office oh, during that final I scene. Totally see it. And I, you know, and I was like, Yep, you know, I, I I can totally see that I may have done one as well. Um, so, yeah, <sighs> and I I think because of the what I admire about the, one of the many things I admire about this film is that you know you like you said you don't know where it's going and at some points you're kind of unsure about whether you want to like this film mm-hmm. and it kind of challenges you. And yes, there is something that happens, and you're you're mad, well, I'm um, furious, <laughs> <laughs> but. Something, you know, at the end, when you sit back and you think about the film as a as an entire piece, as a complete work, you're like, you know, I, I admire the filmmaker who both wrote it and directed it, taking me on that that journey mm-hmm. and challenging me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, yeah, um, I, I, I yeah. was watching this alone with just my dog. I was honestly talking to my dog no. at the end of the day, seeing like, are you serious? What? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. So my dog didn't respond. She was just as puzzled as I was. But um, yeah, um, it, was a, it was something. Uh, so, but Chris, let me just ask. I mean, the use, the needle drop of Angel of the Morning by Jules oh, Newton. Man. Was it, but really, was it better than its use in It Chapter 2? So I don't even remember its use. It's a joke. Yeah. Okay. Was um, it used in that film? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I don't know. This is just an aside, but I don't know. You and I talked about this. In It Chapter 2, there is a scene where one of the characters gets Did you want to talk on? about this on the in the pot? Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. We, and I, I, I disliked no, it. It was film. horrible. It was like, why even play that? What what did that song even mean? What was its point? What it was like as soon as this creature started vomiting on one of the guys, it's like they started playing Angel in the See, Morning. I'm, We're just like, what okay. is that? That that's that shows you the power oh. of a good scene versus a bad scene. I had totally forgotten or so I thought yeah. about Angel of the Morning. Hadn't yes. heard it in years. I thought so you'd and wiped I it out lo- your brain. I love that song, 
And like I hadn't heard it, and I saw it in this movie, I was like, oh wow, like I used to love that song, and now it's being used in this scene, and the way it's being used is amazing. And you could have convinced me that I had not heard that song since I was like, you know, 10 years old, swimming at the swimming mm-hmm. pool, eating Laffy Taffy. But no, I just heard it used in It Too, which was a very big budget movie, which I definitely saw, we reviewed here on the which show. Which we didn't care for. Totally blocked it out of my oh, mind. Oh yeah, that was the wow. big thing, and that was the thing I even mentioned in our review. I'm like, why... <laughs> I mean, that song made no sense to play. It was almost just like, oh, we, really, we like this song and we think it's funny to play it while somebody's getting vomited on. <laughs> but here, you're right. This is how you do a this is how you do a needle drop. This is how you do a placing a song in the right moment to, for the maximum effect. And uh, it worked. So really I'll, I'll just say, you know, kind of in summary, mm. ruin the surprise. But yeah, I love this film. I still have numerous uh-huh. titles to probably view before the end of the year. Is oh, it? Yeah. This but is your this, favorite film of the year, right? As of right now. Okay. All December right. December 11th. This go. is my front runner for favorite film of the year. Um, now, Good. there was a... There was, it displaced something, but I'll get to that in my recommendations. Oh, okay, good. So uh, you <laughs> so won't keep me in suspense for too long. No. Okay, I, after I finished watching this film... And you had already told me that you had seen yeah. your favorite film. I'm like, please, please let it be this film. <laughs> well, and I'll say, you know, it, as I kind of mentioned, because I, I don't have any negatives about this film no, whatsoever. Um, Other but, than it just made me mad. <laughs> well, <laughs> so. But I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it did. I will say that, you know, I could see how people could respond negatively to it because they feel like it objectifies women or it's just trying to push buttons and it's, you know, using humor in some points. That's not nice. like... I can see people totally hating this film and I I would understand why. And I couldn't disagree with them and say, but you know, for me, it just worked. Well, I think, I think the the key is if you're going to make a film that is going to tackle a, a, an issue, a social issue that, I mean, we all either know of stories of, of people who've been affected by this, or maybe we know people who have, or maybe we were ourselves. I mean, it is a hot topic issue and it's obviously something that's a very serious issue something that should not be taken lightly but if you want to bring people's attention to it sometimes you've got to do it through a quote entertaining story mm-hmm. and this is what this film does yeah if anything i think this is a film that should be shown to every teenage boy out there right now yeah. because honestly it is a film that helps you understand the ramifications of decisions that can be made and Yes, it does it in an entertaining way. Yes, it does it in a way that you don't know what she's doing with these people or why she's extracting revenge. And But yet, watching this, you I mean, you can't come away from this film not being affected and thinking, oh my gosh, this is the impact that these types of situations can have on people. Right. And I mean, that for that sense, it's powerful. I mean, is it done with some stylistic flair and comedy and pop music and all that. Yes. But if that's how you need to reach people to hear the story, that's how it works. And it, and it totally worked for me. Cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. Oh, loved it. (laughs) I'm actually, you know, my wife was not home last night. She was out at a, at a function and, uh, I'm already like saying, okay, I need to watch this again and make sure she gets to see it too. I think I'm curious, you know, um, listeners as always, if you you know listen to or watch a film and you want to tell us your thoughts on it, you know please write us right in. We'll give you the contact info at the end of the show. But um, I'm really curious to see the reaction on a wide release basis. Yeah. So Christmas right. Day. There <laughs> we'll you go. See. Merry Christmas. Um, all right. 
So I think we probably should stop talking about this because I think you and I are just now we're now in gushing mode. I so. mean, yeah, I could I can continue. We <laughs> no, could sit here and just name scenes, but let's yeah, not yeah. do that. Um, but I will say, promising young woman. It comes out Christmas Day. It'll be available, I guess, on demand type of video. Uh, Amazon, Apple. I'm sure those places you can rent it. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be a rental. It's not going to be going on a streaming service like mm-hmm. subscription yeah. service. It'll be a five, six, seven dollar rental. But Chris and I are both here to say. Totally worth it. And right. uh, it does have, obviously, with subject matter, there's language, there's violence. Yeah, it's so an be adult aware film. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's adult, a very yeah. adult film. Yeah. But uh, very, very one I'm looking forward to discussing more You're with right. anybody who, who watches it with us. So, okay, Chris, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a couple movie news items to discuss and then our recommendations of the episode. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. And welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with the Foot Candle Film Society here with you again. And we finished up our reviews of both Sound of Metal and Promising Young Woman, both highly regarded films by Chris and I. So uh, we are two for two on films. We're happy that even despite there are not a lot of films going to movie theaters these days, uh, we're still seeing some really great quality films and entertainment online we get to check out now. Speaking of, Chris, let me dovetail right into my first news item. This is the section where we share some news with each other that we've read or want to talk about regarding the movie industry or certain film projects or directors and what they're doing. So, Chris, the big news that, you know, you and I have already talked about offline, but I feel like we need to bring it up again here because it is, I think it could be the biggest movie news we've had in quite some time. Uh, Obviously, with the pandemic situation, you know, movie theaters have been struggling There have not been many new films released. The ones that have been going to theaters have gotten very, very low returns. Um, Warner Brothers uh, made the decision a few weeks ago that they were going to put Wonder Woman uh, 1984 as a online and theatrical release on Christmas Day. Now, what that really means is it's an online release. Okay, They're putting in theaters because they want to say they put it in theaters, but... Many theaters are not open. Many theaters, even if they were, people aren't going. The pandemic is obviously you know, still accelerating at this point. So the fact is a lot of states are putting lockdown procedures in place more and more. So very few people will go see it in the theater. It's going to be on HBO Max, and that's where people are going to see it. So that was a first salvo, but it was also kind of thought that that was going to be a one-off situation just to get us through the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Warner Brothers has now announced that they will be putting all of their 2021 releases directly to HBO Max for premiering, as well as theaters. But again, they're hedging their bets and saying, we're going to assume that theaters are not going to be at regular capacity for the whole year of 2021. That means films like, and Chris, I'm going to, I'm, I think I'm going to do this in, in order of importance, descending okay. importance, <laughs> okay. descending, going ascending, the other direction, gotcha. ascending, yes. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I, this, wasn't, I wasn't aware they were actually redoing that. But yes. Okay. The Many Saints of Newark, which is uh, a prelude to The Sopranos. Okay. In the Heights, Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, new film. 
Uh, these are all HBO Max. All. Oh, okay. These are Warner Brothers films Warner Brothers. going to HBO Max. Gotcha. Judas and the Black Messiah, a film that I teased with the trailer uh, mm-hmm. a while back. The Suicide Squad. That would be the one that is being done by... Uh, James Gunn. James Gunn returning. Uh, well, go hopping over to the DC side and doing a redo of the Suicide Squad. And then you've got Dune, uh, which we're both very excited about seeing. The Matrix 4, which I mean, I know we haven't heard anything about, but is coming out in 2021. Okay, so you just put Matrix 4 above Dune. Oh, I haven't got to my number one film. I don't yet. know how I feel That's about that. That's a Godzilla versus Kong I'm putting at the top. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, it's a joke. I, that's not truly the order of importance, but I just thought I'd get a rise out of Chris. <laughs> um, but these are all films that are now you're going to be able to watch at home on HBO Max. Now, I'm, a, I'm assuming torn on you this. subscribe to that service. Well, I'm torn on this, okay? Because again, I do not want to see movie theaters going away. Right. I do not want to see them diminish. And this could be one of those big moves that really has a, a, a truly negative long term effect on movie theaters. However, I'm also not planning on going to a movie theater anytime in the next couple months either. So sure. what's my options? I have to just you kind of wait. You still haven't seen Tenet I haven't. because of that. Yeah. I have. Do I, do I have to wait a whole year for movies to be released in theaters before I can go start seeing movies? Or do you just go and start letting me see them in the most convenient way possible and just go for it? I don't know. I am looking forward to seeing some of these movies online without going to a theater. But man... I'm really missing the theater experience. So where are you on this? Yeah, I likewise, I, you know, we've discussed it before. I don't want to see theaters go away. Um, and I, I know Christopher Nolan has gone on record just, you know, ranting and raving about it because, you know, he released tenant in theaters during the pandemic, didn't put it online. That was a choice. And, um, interestingly, uh, so, you know, him coming out and saying it to me, wasn't a surprise, but, uh, Denis Villeneuve, the Dune director, he has also out. come oh, out, yeah. and his film is going to be on HBO Max, and he is, you know, livid, just yeah. like Christopher well, Nolan. Well, I mean, so. but it's such a tough situation. I sure. get it. I understand you're a director. You've spent three or four years working on a project. It is really meant to be a big screen project. That's what mm-hmm. you designed it for. But yet, what's the, what's the alternative? You don't release it at all for another year and let it sit and gather dust for a year to year and a half? Well, is that what... Um, Wes Anderson's doing with uh, French Dispatch. Well, I, I honestly was curious when, when Warner Brothers made this announcement what that was going to do to the other studios. Now, mm-hmm. Disney has kind of already given a little bit of an answer. They had their big investor call meeting that was live streamed with all their big announcements for 2021. And they do have several feature films that are going to be going to Disney Plus exclusively. They said the uh, Tom Hanks uh, version of Pinocchio, which uh, is going to be going straight to Disney Plus. Okay. Uh, they mentioned a couple other live action remakes like Peter Pan and some others that will be going directly to Disney. Little Plus. Mermaid. Is that going there as well? I don't think they mentioned that one. Okay. I don't think they did. Maybe they did. I don't recall, but they still said there are some films that are going to theaters. Uh, I think the jungle cruise, which has been delayed like almost a year now, they are still planning With a theatrical the release. And, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. and a couple other films they mentioned would still be theatrical releases. Now I will say, they were vague on the terminology. Mm-hmm. I think they're leaving their options open. Sure. Um, but they obviously were playing up Disney Plus super big on this call, trying to make the bigger case for this is how we can share content with people now. Right. So it would not surprise me to see them start to push everything to Disney Plus instead. Um, even the Marvel movies, they said, you know, Black Widow is supposed to be the next one that was supposed to come out last May. 
is now slated for May 7th, 2021. They are saying in theaters. So Okay, so they're still sticking to their guns. They are on saying that one. May 7th in theaters specifically. So okay. we'll see if that's still the case in in 5 months. I don't know. Um but yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, and of course as of this morning AMC is now saying that they will be out of money in January. So I mean, which I get. I mean, I don't see how they could be doing any kind of business right now. Uh, there's no good movies to go see for people and uh, the ones that they do go, you're yeah, you know, people have to kind of take the risk in, in mind. So sure. it's uh, it's tough. It's a very, very tough situation. Yeah. I will see more films in a year than I normally would, thanks to online distribution, brand new films. However, is it worth it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know for the long term. Okay. Well, Chris, you got a news item that might be a little bit more either uplifting or happy or funny or something. Absolutely. Okay. Um, please we talked share enough that about that one. So this is, it could yeah. be pretty quick, but it, I just think it's um, interesting. So Spike Lee, you know, he did uh, American Utopia, the he filmed version of David Burns musical that was on Broadway. Oh, was, that, he did, he, was that Spike Lee? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that. He directed he it. You know, that. David okay. Byrne yeah. obviously wrote the uh, right. But he so he uh, did that this year, and then his other big project this year was Defy Bloods. Right. So you know he's been he's been busy. Well, Spike Lee has announced that his next project will be a movie musical about the origin story of Viagra, Pfizer, Pfizer's erectile dysfunction drug. Dysfunction. Drug. And this is okay. not this is not made up. This is for real. Yes. Um, this is the statement. That uh, Lee released, and I got to read it. Right. And you just just Please. channel. Just I can't read it like Lee would say it because you know he sure. has the flow that I do not. But just listen to this statement. First and foremost, I thank Miss Jacqueline Shelton Lee. I thank my late mother for, as she would say, taking my narrow, rusty behind, dragging, kicking, and screaming to the movies when I was a nappy-headed kid growing up in the streets of the People's Republic of Brooklyn. I did not want to see corny people singing and dancing. I instead wanted to play with my friends on the block, stoop ball, stick ball, punch ball, softball, basketball, two-hand touch, tackle football, Coco Livio, Johnny on the Pony, hot peas and butter, crack top, down to sewer, and of course, booties up. All the great New York City street games that might be sadly lost forever. My father, Bill Lee, jazz folk bassist composed, composer, hated Hollywood, Holly weird movies henceforth and would not and whatnot. Me being the eldest of five children, I became mommy's movie date. She was a cinephile. Thank you, Laudy. She didn't listen to me ongoing complaints about musicals. So finally going into my fourth decade as a filmmaker, I will be directing a dancing, all singing musical Spike Lee joint. And I can't wait. My mama has been waiting too. And that's the Rogers and Hammerstein truth, Ruth. <laughs> so there again, can't right, quite first, say it in the flow. I was going to say, Chris, Spike Lee, you're uh <laughs> Your Oscar performance award will be in the mail shortly. Um, But still, like that's actually going to haunt me, Chris. You, you reciting Spike Lee's words. But I mean, I, I mean, okay. First, you know, Spike Lee just doing a musical. I mean, yeah, he did the film version of American Utopia, which was good. Mm -hmm. Um, But on all original musical that he co-wrote, okay, that's kind of interesting. And the fact that it's about. Viagra? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> but no, I, I, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's 2020, man. 2020, anything goes in 2020 now. So, um, so how, how's, really that, how's that for some movie news? That's great. No, I'm excited. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, that may actually made me think too. I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg's got West Side Story coming out, all singing and dancing, <laughs> Roger Hammersmith type style film as well. 
Uh, could there be a resurgence? Could we be starting to see in, in big the heights, filmmakers? But it's going to HBO Max, but still. Still, yeah. same idea. Uh, yeah. Could we be seeing a resurgence in 2020? People want to see singing and dancing. That's what they want to see. Even if it's about Viagra. I mean, it's about anything. It's just <laughs> right. happy. Uh, it makes you feel good. I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I had no idea about that. I'm so glad you brought that to I my will, I will say it is, <laughs> it's based on an article that was in Esquire titled All Rise, The Untold Story of the Guys Who Launched Viagra. So that's, get, the, that's the basis for the script that he's I, I get it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah clever. Right. I mean, okay. yeah. All right. Well, that's so there's some positive. Is when he's working on that? Is that just next He is year? working on it, but I don't know when it, you know, like okay. a release date. We don't have anything like that. So. All right. Very interesting indeed. Well, that is our news. We're just kind of sharing with you in this time of interesting movie, uh, movie going experiences and productions. Um, now, Chris, we like to end our show with a recommendation. You and I both giving a recommendation of a film we'd like for people to consider checking out. We're going into the, the, the Christmas season, the holiday season. Uh, it's a good time for people to catch up on films if uh, they're homebound and wanting to do this. So let's give a couple recommendations. Now, if it's okay with you, Chris, I'd like to go first. Sure. Because I have, I have an apology to make. Oh, okay. Oh, this, yeah. This is the tease that you did. At the this beginning is of the, the show. I was wrong edition of my my recommendations. There is a film that you and I reviewed. Actually, we brought to our film society several oh. years back. Wow. That um, I was looking forward to. Saw the film, and then when we sat down to record, I was disappointed. I was not as positive on the film. You were very positive on it, but I was still struggling with it. I just did not find what I was looking for in this film. Hmm. Okay. However, years have passed. Maybe I've grown older, wiser. I don't know what it is. Okay. But um, because of the the level of enjoyment, well, enjoyment being a tough word for it, but the, the admiration I have for the film Marriage Story, which we talked about just in the last year, Adam Driver and uh, Scarlett Johansson, yeah. which is a Noah Baumbach film, right? calls me to go back and revisit While We're Young oh, by Noah man. Baumbach. You're right. I, I love that film. Chris, I was wrong. <laughs> that is a really, really good film. Okay. And I don't know why it didn't work for me the first time I saw it. Maybe I went in with different expectations of the film. But um, this second time around, it spoke to me in a uh, very, very uh, direct way. Okay. It is a it, For those not familiar with the film, it's starring Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts. It is directed by Noam Baalbeck, who has directed many other films before, The Squid and the Whale, you and I talked about and really enjoyed many years ago most recently a marriage story as i mentioned already um but it's a story of an uptight documentary filmmaker played by ben stiller uh and his wife who find themselves loosened up a bit after befriending a free-spirited younger couple played by adam driver and amanda siegfried um it's uh it is a it's a growing older story it is a coming to terms with who you are in your generation it's the idea of uh, people wanting to grab a hold of their youth and find uh, uh, drawn to things that make them feel more youthful but then when you start to realize when your 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 own ideas your own uh, ethics and your own morals start to come into play because of that um, it's an interesting and couching it all in this idea of it being a documentary filmmaker and a documentary he is wanting to make versus a documentary that Adam Driver, the younger person that he befriends, is also looking to make in the two different competing styles of that and what it says about them as people. Mm -hmm. It's a great story. It's really, really well done. Um, I like Ben Stiller. 
I like more subdued Ben Stiller, and okay. this is a subdued Ben Stiller. Sure. It's not his zany, meet the parents type of persona. It is truly him being a real person, but he still adds enough humor to his own performance to make it enjoyable to watch. Um, and Adam Driver is great. Uh, so much fun in this film to watch. So it worked for me. I apologize. I apologize <laughs> to everyone who did not go out and see it because of my earlier review and said, well, Alan wasn't really in, impressed with it. So maybe I shouldn't go plunk down eight or nine dollars to watch it. No, I'm saying it is worth it. Okay. Check it out. I think it's on Amazon okay. Prime right now. Um, maybe others. I'm not sure. But it's definitely one you can watch very easily right now. So mm-hmm. I was wrong. While we're young, Noah Baumbach, great film. Okay. Excellent. Chris, what have you got for us? This is the one that that uh, Promising Young Woman has bumped down from your top spot? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so previous to watching, you know, we mentioned, you know, getting a lot of screeners, watching a lot of year-end rush films. So, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot. So, you know, prior to Promising Young Woman, um, the film that was in that spot was um, so – I will not give the full title. I would just say instead of the ex, instead of poop, replace that with an oh, expletive, okay, gotcha. and then put house on that. We yes. try to keep this kind of a family friendly. Yeah, we do that we curse are words. Uh, family friendly. Yes. Yeah, we should getting that clean tag on right, the, on the right. podcast. So uh, poop house. Poop house. Okay. <laughs> um, this film is, is my uh, ladybird. You know, a lot of people responded to that really, and I liked Ladybird, but I didn't quite bond with it. Um, maybe because mm-hmm. the protagonist was female and I'm male, so it didn't quite register with me. Well, this film is is my ladybird. There's a last call home situation, and it got uh, a little dusty, let's mm. say, as I was watching that come across. The story is basically um, it was written and directed by a newcomer, and he acts in it as well. He's the lead, Cooper Rafe. Mm. Um, he plays a lonely college freshman, Alex, who has closed himself off from his peers, who all appear to have this whole college thing figured out. But everything changes one night when Alex t- takes a leap. And attends a party at Poop House, mm-hmm. which is where the title of the film comes from. A legendary party fraternity where he forges a strong connection with Maggie. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a general overview. Um, it is available on, uh, I think, uh, Apple. You know, you can rent it from mm-hmm. um, Apple movies. And I think you can probably get it other places, too. So it is available, kind of a VOD type thing. Um, but I, I liked it. Um, it is his first, you know, directorial debut type film. It is more of your indie nature, but I really responded to it. And uh, yeah, like you say, prior to Promising Young Woman, this was my uh, wow. favorite film of the year. All right. So. Well, it has now been added to my list and high on my list now to check out. Um, interesting that of the two reviews we had and your recommendation, all first time filmmakers, like as far as making a narrative feature film. Right. I and uh, it's great. That's promising. Which, you know. Here again, if you're trying to look for rainbows and you know silver linings in 2020, maybe all this is because, you know, the pandemic filmmakers that maybe wouldn't have got as much attention or some other films like French Dispatches being held from Wes Anderson. But what that allows is some lesser known filmmakers to have more prominence because their films are getting released Could and be. you notice things more. So who knows? That's great. Well, a lot of good films we talked about in today's episode. So thank you for the recommendation there. I will definitely be checking out Poop Town. Or Poop uh, House. But poop House. No. With the poop House. I just, <laughs> but if I search for Poop House, you won't I probably find won't it. find so it. replace Poop with an expletive. I understand. Yeah, and then you got it. Understood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then we also had, of course, Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal, both highly regarded. Promising Young Woman currently standing as 
Yeah, I think I'm going to say it. It's my favorite film of the year. I know it is. Oh, your, wow. I think okay. it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think through if there's any others that right now are over, over on top of it. And I don't think so. Okay. Well, when you watch Poop House, let's <laughs> y'all see if that's still there <laughs> or not. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Chris, a lot we covered. But if people have comments, feedback, discussion, they want to talk about Promising Young Woman. They want to talk about Sound of Metal. They want to talk about Poop House. Whatever they want to talk about, how do they get a hold of us? Please send us an email to info at footcandle.org, and we'll try to at least read it and respond to you. Maybe we'll mention our feedback on the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at FootCandleFilm. We're also on Letterboxd, where we're trying to track what we're seeing. Do us a favor. Uh, give us a star rating, write a review, share it with friends in iTunes to help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. We're also available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. And the last bit of plugging that I will do is the 2021 Foot Candle Film Festival, which will be in September of that year. I forgot the dates right off the top of my head. That's how far away it is. But we are accepting submissions right now for that. So if you're a filmmaker and you want to submit... Um, please do so. Yeah. Just go to, well, you can go to footcandlefilmfestival.com. Right. And that's for the festival itself. Footcandle.org is our film society. But yeah, go to the festival website. If you're interested in submitting, there's a button and a link right there to, to go and get started. So, all right, Chris. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up then. So thanks everybody for listening to Foot Candle Films. Hope you enjoy a good holiday season in case we're not talking to you during the, the holidays. But we'll look forward to seeing you very, very soon at our next episode. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. I will say my tagline for the end, but I also mentioned because I forgot to. Okay. I have yet another plug. Uh, Alan and I were on the Entrepreneurship Exchange oh, podcast. Right, right. They sure always do that. a year wrap up or not a year wrap up, but a kind of a holiday spectacular where they talk about business lessons learned from movies. And Alan and I were guests on that once again this year. And we gave out some other movie recommendations oh, yeah. that you might consider watching over the holidays. Some of them much more family friendly than some of the ones we've discussed on this show. Um, but still, if you want some recommendations for movies, you might check that out as well. Entrepreneur Exchange can be found on the mesh.tv website. Look for that show and look for the most recent episode. That would be their holiday spectacular where Chris and I were guests. Thank you for letting us be a yes. guest on the show this week. Yes. All right. Now are we done? Yes. Do your, do your thing. See you in a socially distanced ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.